You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. In just a second, I'm going to be bringing uh, the teaching text to us, but just before I do so, I just wanted to let you know that I am delighted to say that Mackenzie is going to be speaking and teaching this morning for the first time. Where? There she is. You normally sit on that side of the room, so I was a little bit thrown that you're over there. Um, Mackenzie is one of our community leaders. She's a member of our discipleship team. And not only that, but she's someone that I have gotten to enjoy getting to know and see how much she has been shaped by God's word, how much she loves and delights in scripture and and wants to make that enjoyable and accessible to other people. And so I'm really excited that she's going to be sharing with us. I also know that the first time I stood up here and talked to all of you, it was quite a nerve-wracking experience. Um, So I know that you will all be sending your thoughts uh, and just cheering her on um, from afar. But just before she comes up, I just want to remind you of this season of Advent that we are in. Um, Advent is a time when we look back. It's also a time when we look forward in preparing us to celebrate Christ's first coming. Um, It places us alongside the ancient prophets who awaited with aching intensity the fulfilled promise of a Messiah. And Joseph and Mary, whose pregnancy made the expectation all the more palpable. It also strengthens our longing for Christ's second coming when he will return to fully and finally establish his kingdom on earth. So before we receive the teaching text, we're just actually going to sit in a moment of silence together, just acknowledging this time of waiting that we all find ourselves in. So let's just take a moment of silence. Our teaching text today is taken from Luke 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own heart too. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning! (laughs) Can y'all... Y'all can hear me okay? This is good? Sweet. Okay. Good morning, guys. I'm so excited to be here with you today and just so excited to be teaching during our Advent season, Advent series. Um, If you are just joining us for the first time today, we are currently in an Advent series called Prince of Peace, and we're exploring the lives of three particular individuals within the Christmas story. Um, If you were here last week, Carlos introduced us to Anna, the prophet, and was really helping us consider how our hearts are being shaped in this season of waiting. Um, Next week, Gemma will be leading us through the story of Mary, and today we are going to be exploring another extraordinary encounter through a very ordinary man named Simeon. Um, But before we dive in, I just, I want to pray for us, so if everyone just close your eyes. We're going to invite God into this moment. I mean, God, you're already here, but we just invite you into our hearts. Would you help me, Lord? I need your strength, God, and your peace. Would you prepare our hearts for what you have for us today, Lord? Holy Spirit, come minister to us. We're here for you, God. We're here to know you. We're here to commune with you. We're here to worship you delight in you. Give us greater perspective, God. Show us your unfailing love and grant us your salvation. May we listen to what you have said that you have promised your people peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So for some context here, prior to the verses that we read, um, we have this scene of Mary, who's recently given birth to baby Jesus, and she's coming to present her firstborn, which was Jewish custom at the time. And so everyone had to bring their firstborn to dedicate them to the Lord. And it is here that we meet Simeon, who we're told at the beginning of the passage has been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And this is basically another way of saying that he was waiting for the Messiah, It probably would be stemming from Isaiah 40 when God tells Isaiah that he will comfort his people because God would return to save them. So the people of Israel believed that when Messiah came and set things right, they would be comforted, that they would finally have peace. But they had no idea how it would come. Um, When will the day come? You know, will it ever come? They just just as often as we've wondered or imagined when Christ would return. They probably came up with all kinds of ideas of how the Messiah would appear, as I'm sure we have too, but no one knew. And we too find ourselves waiting and wondering when all will be made right again. 
We collectively long for the day when our Lord will return, all the while wondering when he will fulfill our own earthly purpose. How long must I endure this season of singleness? How long must I endure this season of barrenness? How long must I endure this season of joblessness, weariness, sickness? But how many of you know our God lives outside of time? (laughs) I mean, Psalm 95 tells us that with him, a thousand years is like a night's sleep or like grass that is renewed in the morning. Some seasons feel like they could go on forever, but we can be confident that it is not God's perspective. As the writer of Ecclesiastes said, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So we may never understand his timing, but he most often reveals his promise in advance so that we can prepare our hearts to receive it at the right time. But are we willing to wait, is my question. In fact, what is our posture while we wait? And this is what I want to explore today as we look at the story of Simeon. Now, Simeon was a steadfast, dedicated Jewish man of God. I mean, one of the first things that we're told about him is that he was both devout and righteous. So he was devoted to the Lord and committed to following his ways. And this is important because it tells us that this man has had a life with God. I mean, you don't become devout overnight. Let's be real. Okay? You don't know that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know if you're devoted until that devotion is tested. And you don't know if you're righteous until you're tested to do what is right. It is through the slow, painful, deliberate work of God in your life. It's the ebbs and the flows of life with God. It's the day in and the day out, the mundane, the ordinary moment, saying yes and keeping in step with the Spirit of God. It is the life of abiding. And so at some point in Simeon's life, he receives this promise from the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And we're not given any more details about this conversation. I mean, we don't know when it happened. Did he have questions? How did he feel? We don't know. But we do know that the people of Israel were called to prepare themselves for the return of the Lord. Okay, so they were looking forward to a day when God would return to lead them again. And so this leads me to conclude that Simeon had become a man of great patience. How do we know this? Well, the word for waiting in the original language in this particular text is prostekamenos, and it describes an expectant waiting where a person is ready and willing to receive all that is hoped for. It is an active looking and waiting that engages every aspect of us. So it's our our hearts, our emotions, minds, and bodies as we wait, instead of this passive wait, which has no effect on us at all. It is like the psalmist who says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, 
more than watchmen for the morning. So Simeon has been this active watchman for the Lord, waiting and watching for this promise. He was constantly expecting, content to wait and see how this revelation would come about. And so one who has become devout and righteous in his life surely knows something of God. Therefore, his hope is based on the conviction that God is at work. He remained confident that the Lord would do what he said he would do, and so he waited, and he watched, and he hoped. Henry Nouwen writes this. Waiting is essential to the spiritual life. But waiting as a disciple of Jesus is not an empty waiting. It is a waiting with a promise in our hearts that makes already present what we are waiting for. Waiting for God is an active, alert, yes, joyful waiting. And as we wait, we remember him for whom we are waiting. And as we remember him, we create a community ready to welcome him when he comes. This is the image that Simeon represents. There's this joyful expectation to welcome and embrace what the Lord has promised and a willingness to let God do it in his own time. But (laughs) this waiting didn't happen in his own strength. I mean, he's actually not the lead role of this story. Simeon had a helper. We can see in verses 25 through 27, there's a huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit. We're told the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Spirit of God revealed to him. And the Holy Spirit moved him to go to the temple. So he had allowed the Spirit to work in his life and lead him so that he was in the right place at the right time. Because it's not that God can't do what we're waiting for. It's that he knows the perfect time and the right way to do it. And so one thing that we can learn from Simeon's life is that waiting allows us to cultivate an intimate awareness of the Holy Spirit. Waiting cultivates intimacy. I mean, and it's quite ironic that Simeon's name literally means to listen or to hear. And now we we live in a world that makes it very difficult to wait, but it also makes it really difficult to hear. I mean, hello, New York, anybody. We are saturated with distractions constantly. The news, social media, the train, the planes, like people. It's so easy, especially in a place like New York, to hear angrily or half-heartedly, let alone listening deliberately and intentionally and patiently. I mean, sometimes we feel like we can't hear God or that God's not speaking to us, but are we truly listening? Have we actually carved out space in our lives to lean in and and wait on him? The Bible says that it's good to wait on the Lord, but... How many of us actually feel that way when we're waiting? Do we actually feel like, yes, this is good for me. Like, waiting is so good. It feels good. Like, I love this. Like, no, we don't, we don't feel like it is good to wait. And if we're being really honest, we also don't like to wait. 
I mean, I know this because if I take any of you, myself included, and we go down to the train right now and it says we're waiting 15 minutes for the next train, like, we're all going to be like, oh, my God. Like, it's just like, we do not like to wait. Like, how dare the train take 15 minutes? You know, like, just biggest sigh. And our modern world has conditioned us this way. I mean, it, we are being conditioned to expect instant results. I mean, hello, swipe left, one-click purchases. Like, it's just... Everything is working double time to make sure we don't ever have to wait for anything. But it's quite literally robbing us of the patience and the character that the Lord may be trying to cultivate in our hearts. It takes us out of the slow work of God, deluding us into thinking that we're somehow in control. I mean, isn't that the pain of waiting, too? that it reminds us of our own finiteness, of our own limitations, that we're not all-knowing, that we're not all-powerful, that we are not God. It humbles us, and it brings us face-to-face with who we really are before God. I mean, in the waiting, like, our idols are revealed, And in all our busyness, and in all our demands, and all our entitlement to right here, right now, are we missing the voice of God in our lives? I mean, Simeon was deliberately listening to the Spirit of God in this moment that we see. I mean, and notice he didn't have the full picture. He, he didn't have the full context. Sometimes God gives us promises and, and we, don't, we don't have the full context. We don't know how it's all going to play out. And, and we're like, you know, we're sitting there with him like, are we there yet? Is it here yet? Like, do you know what you're doing, God? We start plotting ways we can help him along with the plan. We're like, okay, I got you. Like, maybe you're sleeping. I don't know. Like, I'll try it over here. Figure it out myself. I mean, God is so merciful in our waiting. Reminding us that without Christ, we would quickly abandon him when the going gets tough. I mean, he owes us nothing. And yet he graces us with what we need, covering us with white robes every single day so that we can stand before him worthy. I mean, each day we fail to love him, as, to love him and others as he loves. Each day we fail to walk in the integrity that Christ walks in, and yet he covers us. He's so merciful in our waiting. How can we not trust such a merciful God? It's his grace that even allows us to wait. Henry now and again writes. I mean, he's so good. Hello, whole sermon. (laughs) How can you follow this? Um, But the word patience comes from the Latin verb patios, which means to suffer. Waiting patiently is suffering through the present moment, tasting it to the full and letting the seeds that are sown in the ground on which we stand grow into strong plants. Waiting patiently always means paying attention to what is happening right before our eyes and seeing there the first rays of God's glorious coming.
How was it that the Holy Spirit could move Simeon to go to the temple that day? I mean, perhaps in that time of waiting, he had positioned himself to be ready to receive. So waiting prepares our hearts to receive. In this ever-moving, ever-evolving culture, it's tempting to control and wonder if God will ever fulfill his promises. I mean, we grow tired, impatient, we're unable to focus on the journey ahead, comparing our situations to the people around us. We doubt God's goodness toward us because we have no idea where we're going. Where is all of this going? We don't know. And yet the Bible is filled with people who didn't know where they were going. No one. There's not a man or woman in scripture whom God used in a powerful way who didn't first face a long, difficult time of waiting. Abraham. Joseph. Hannah. The Israelites. I mean, 400 years. Hello, anybody. Like, come on. (laughs) The disciples. Jesus. Jesus. Us. I think some of us think that our lives are not happening in the season of waiting. Like we think until I get that job or until I marry my perfect spouse or until my bank account looks like this or until I feel the way that I think I need to feel, my life hasn't started. My life has no sense of purpose. My life isn't happening. And I love the way Sumant Kid has this quote and she says that when you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. You're doing the most important something there is. The most important. I mean, that's a big statement. Waiting is the most important something that there is because you're allowing your soul to grow up. And if you cannot be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like... If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. The Bible tells us there's seed time and there's harvest time. Therefore, we can be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord because the key is that we stay with God. We keep looking at Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, and we trust him. Because Jesus accomplished everything the Father sent him to do. Therefore, he can teach us to trust him. And he can help us to persevere with patience when the fulfillment of what God has said takes longer than we would like. We can trust that he is good, that he loves us, and that he will never fail us, even though it may take longer than expected. even though it may not look like we expected. You know, I moved to New York in 2015 with every intention of pursuing my acting career. I'm an actor. 
And it was at the beginning of 2019, so I had been in New York for almost four years at this point. It was just becoming apparent that the Lord was inviting me to go back to L.A. I'm originally from the West Coast, Seattle, L.A. Yeah, we can talk about it over coffee. Anyways, um, <laughs> it was apparent he was inviting me to go back. And um, I had no intentions of leaving, so I, this kind of like took me by surprise, but he just made it very clear. This was like one of those God confirmed it in multiple ways, and you just like cannot deny it. Um, but I had no intention of leaving. I mean, I was in a serious relationship at the time that I was 100% sure was going to turn into marriage, and I had planted roots here, and I was actually booking jobs. Like, I had an agent, and, like, I thought things were kind of moving in the direction they needed to go, but I just, I knew that there was something on this, and so I was afraid of what I'd miss if I didn't go. I mean, this had to be the moment, right? Like, that's how I justified in my head. I'm like, yo, this is my big break. Like, this is going to be it. Everything I've been waiting for, um, everything I've been investing in, sacrificing for, like, why else would God call me to go? And so I went assuming that this chapter was going to open up doors left and right. People are going to be, like, throwing jobs my way. Um, Yet it turned out to be a season to shut every single door. Solitude actually met me at the door. Loneliness became a very good friend. Had him over for dinner a couple times. Um, Mundane, ordinary days. Sitting, waiting, pleading with the Lord. Why did you bring me here? Why did you do this? I mean, nothing was happening. Nothing. I wasn't booking any jobs. My relationship actually was falling apart tremendously. I felt isolated and alone and extremely, oh, like the discontent, like it was just so, just felt so discontent. I mean, the Lord invited me into the wilderness, if you will. And I had to face in that season the painful, painful question that if God didn't give me what I wanted, what I had been waiting so long for and investing, I mean, four years in a relationship, like, God, no, this has to go where I think it's going, right? Like, that's a long time. I've only been pursuing acting. What will I do if this doesn't happen? I've done nothing else. If God didn't give me what I wanted, what I had been waiting so long for, would I be okay? And so here I am, just me and the Lord. But there were no more distractions. L.A., you can actually, you can go into nature and like be quiet, so, you know, there's no more distractions. But it was in the stillness that I began to let go of who I thought that I was or would be. And he began unraveling this grip of control that I had spent many years just wrapping around my life. And he taught me how to listen. He started tugging out these like deep roots of pride and shame. And he taught me how to just be with him. Enjoy him. 
and truly depend on him. I mean, I was at this point, it was just, I was on my knees in this place of just deep, deep anguish. And it was there that I discovered an awareness of him I never experienced before. That my constant lack was driving me closer to his presence. And it was in that waiting season, and there will probably be another one, that I discovered I hadn't come for the promise. I came for the promiser. It's where I realized God is truly my portion, that nothing else will satisfy, that he actually knows what is best, and his purpose is so much bigger than ours. I mean, hello, he clearly had other plans. (laughs) And he fashioned our hearts, and he's fashioning our lives for his glory, and it is good. I say that with such conviction. It is good. His plans are good. Oh. I mean, Los Angeles is the city of dreams, they say. And it's where God killed mine. It's where I let my dream die. Because the point wasn't getting what I wanted. It was getting closer to God. Because in the end, my friends, (laughs) Jesus is the one we're waiting for. Underneath all of our desire and wanting and lack and insignificance and insecurity, Jesus is the one we are waiting for. And when Simeon walked into the temple that day, I don't know if he knew what he was looking for, but as soon as he was in the presence of Jesus and he lifted up the baby Christ, All that time of waiting, all the questions, all the pain, all the wondering went out the window. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. At the end of himself, Simeon meets Jesus. And he greets this moment with such joy because he now understands that his life is a part of something bigger. He's a part of God's unfolding plan. Because the consolation of Israel was not an event. It was a person. All that he had longed for was wrapped up in this baby he was now holding in his arms. Our consolation isn't found in different circumstances. Our consolation isn't found in earthly treasures. Our consolation isn't found in dreams fulfilled. Our consolation is Christ himself. He is the reward. He is the goal. He is our peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I can't tell you when or even if God will answer that prayer. 
I can't tell you why you've been waiting as long as you have. These things I do not know. But one thing I know for sure, those who place their faith in Jesus, those who abide in Jesus, those who persevere through pain and through suffering and through all of the questions and wondering, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. And I know that it hurts now. I don't know what you're carrying today, but whatever it is, I know that it hurts. And I know that it's costing you something. And I know that it seems unfair. But I want to charge you today to believe that God is good and that he can work all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his great purposes because on the night when our Savior was betrayed, he waited. And he was plunged down into the depths of human anguish and then he waited on a cross for his spirit to depart into the hands of the Father. He became our peace, breaking down the wall of hostility between us and the Father. And God has promised his return to the earth when Christ will return in all his glory to restore and make all things new. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I want to invite you um, to close your eyes for a moment. Oh, thank you. I will take one, actually. Oops. And I want you to consider what it is that you are waiting for. What are you waiting for? Perhaps you're waiting on reconciliation within a relationship. Maybe it's some of the things I mentioned at the beginning. You're in a season of singleness. You're in a season waiting for a job. Maybe you've been tirelessly praying and pleading for that relative or that close friend to finally give their life to Jesus. Maybe you're just waiting to feel okay. You're tired of going through the motions. You feel stuck, and you don't know where this is going. Where is Jesus in this place of waiting? Where is he? And what is your posture before him right now? 
Are you still tempted to control? Are you trying to take matters into your own hands? Are your hands gripped and closed over the thing that you want most? Or are you willing and ready to be led and guided by the Spirit of God? Trusting that he's for you. He is for you. He is not against you. He is for you. And he doesn't just want you to wait for him. He actually wants to wait with you. His help will come, church. His help will come. His will for your life will come to pass. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. God knows all things. He sees everything upon this earth. And our hope is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who does not fail. He does not lose. And as we hope in him, he sends his love so we can endure. And he's sending it right now. Thank you, Jesus. We just need more of you, Jesus. So much more of you, God. If you're ready, you can start to stand. I have, I just sense, sensed an invitation for those who you've just lost hope and you've lost patience and you're just like, God, I'm, I can't, I'm done. It's too hard. It's too painful. Well, I want, if that is you today, if that resonates, I just want to invite you. There are rugs here on the side, and our prayer team will meet you there. I would also love to pray with you. 
our pastors would pray with you to just rekindle your hope and to receive more of Christ's peace, that it would sustain you and help you endure because it can and he will. He loves you that much. He wants to help you. He wants you in his will. He wants you to have the things that he's placed on your heart. Would you trust him? Would you come to him? Come closer. Just come closer. That's all it takes. you, God. Thank you for this time.